Engaging Leader, Episode 210, Practicing Anti-Racist Leadership. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at workforcecommunication.com. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Hey, I'm glad you're joining us today. I want to apologize right up front or at least acknowledge right up front that I am going to surely say some things wrong in today's episode. Uh, I'll say some things that come from ignorance and um, that will sound insensitive, um, but it's coming from a good place, I guess. I'm coming from a spirit of humility and just trying to share what I've been learning. And so um, I know I'll make mistakes and I hope you'll have some uh, grace and compassion for me with that. Um, I decided to share some thoughts and my more recent learnings on the topic of racism and anti-racism in the wake of the, the sad death of George Floyd and others and the work that the Black Lives Matter movement is undertaking. I do, of course, want to start with my sadness um, about racism and injustice that have been in place for hundreds of years and in our country and around the world. I feel sad for everyone who has been hurt by inequality, violence. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's like to be someone in closer to the front lines. And so recently I've renewed my practice of trying to learn more and understand more and I've been doing more reading and watching and exposing myself to different perspectives and uh, just understanding different people's experiences. Um, There's been several people in the past few weeks um, who've shared, I guess, curated lists of resources that are are helpful in learning more. And um, several of those have been helpful to me. I I definitely want to call out to my colleague, Jamie Barnes, who shared a really good list on her uh, LinkedIn blog post. Um, So if you're not already following her, you can find her on LinkedIn. It's uh, Jamie Barnes. And she's also been featured on the Engaging Leader podcast uh, in the past, most recently in episode 186. So definitely encourage you to check that out and check out her uh, LinkedIn profile and you can get her, um, I'll share her contact. Well, you just go back to the show notes for episode 186 and you'll get her contact information there if you don't already have it. I decided to call this episode practicing anti-racist leadership. And I just want to start with breaking that down a little bit. I used, so the term anti-racist, I don't know where it first started from. To me, it's meaningful from the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Dr. Ibram Kendi. And I have really appreciated that book so far. It's interesting and helpful. And I added it to my morning developmental reading. I have several books that I try to read on a daily basis, and uh, I just read them very slowly. And when I get to the end, I just start back over in the beginning. Um, Sometimes I don't make it all the way through a second time or a third and so forth, but sometimes I do. And uh, I decided that I'm going to do that with this book because uh, I like that slow and steady process of just learning about a topic where I can improve myself 
and uh, be thoughtful about it. And rather than tearing through it like I do with most books that I read, just taking the time to synthesize it, internalize it, reflect on it, um, and decide is there anything I need to change in my thought patterns, in my beliefs, in my practical actions, in my habits, and so forth. And so one aha that I just decided to share with you is that I think that anti-racism is uh, is something I could do better at and learn more about. And in the same way, some of my other developmental areas that have been helped by daily reading. Um, so for example, um, just being more moderate with my food intake and more moderate with my alcohol intake. I have some books that I read every day that just sort of helps me um, evaluate my relationships with food and with alcohol and um, make sure that I'm being mindful and intentional about that. And uh, it occurred to me that uh, this topic of attitudes about race and personal beliefs and just uh, rethinking some of my, I guess you'd call them unintentional biases or prejudices, um, just, uh, I guess, revealing those to myself and um, challenging them and, and making a practice of mindfulness and intentionality on this topic. And so that word practice was an intentional use in the title for today's episode. I'm guessing that if you're listening to this episode um, and if someone asked you if you're a racist, you would say no. That would be At least that would be your first response. Because that's kind of a loaded term, of course, and so... If you actually thought, if you actually said, I'm a racist, uh, that would be akin to saying, I'm a, an evil person, I'm a bad person. And probably none of us think that we are, um, I mean, we may have some aspects of shame and some awareness of some of our uh, character fault flaws and so forth, but most of us think, I'm basically a good person. And I think Ibram does a, a really good job of, first of all, he, he, in, this, in the book, he creates a, he, he suggests that we think of it as a, there's a, a kind of a polarity. Uh, so this is like a healthy polarity, I guess, in that you're either racist or you're anti-racist. And um, that sounds harsh to say at first, but, well, let me, I would say it this way. You're either practicing racism or you're practicing anti-racism. So I probably most of us would not identify with the term racist as an I am a racist, but we can see that, you know, hey, am I, am I contributing um, in a positive way in this? Is my current thought process today in this very moment, um, ha- do I have some prejudices or some unintended biases or maybe some, you know, more blatant behaviors and so forth? And so, Practicing anti-racism is about clearly recognizing and owning our own prejudices as well as prejudices in public policies and workplaces and so forth. And he would define practicing racism as um, in, in, probably in addition to behaviors uh, that act like active prejudices maybe. Um, he would also include denial in in that term, racism, including denying that I have any of these biases or that these uh, prejudices and discriminations and inequalities exist in our public policies in any given workplace or any given community or any, any given community structures. 
And I think there's a lot of validity in that. And I think most of us find when we're faced with denial, when someone is denying a certain situation, that tends to create um, feelings of resistance toward that person and maybe hopelessness in that situation. And so, you know, when you can't even just have an open, transparent conversation, when someone is sort of defensively denying or being self-protective, um, that, that, that shuts down trust and it shuts down conversation. And so that's one reason I decided to go ahead and record this podcast today on this topic which is to simply share what I'm learning in a vulnerable way and just to encourage conversation on the topic. So I think one way we can practice anti-racist leadership is to be learning on a regular basis. And a second way is to try to make it safer to have honest, transparent, authentic, vulnerable conversations on the topic. I think if we can do that in a way that is safe for everyone, where you're, there's less likely to fear judgment on something you say or something you maybe get wrong or being judged, maybe people jumping to conclusions about you or about how you feel on a given policy, let's say, or topic. One of my, the things that holds me back in talking on any given topic is the fear that I'll be misunderstood and that I will be misjudged, um, or that someone will make a, a blanket judgment about me. You know, if you make, say, one sentence on a topic and then some, somebody writes that down in stone instead of really understanding um, what you're thinking and feeling today, and also recognizing that we're all works in progress. And so having thoughts or feelings or opinions on a topic today doesn't mean that is how I will feel or believe or act tomorrow. I think practicing racism or practicing anti-racism is a fluid, um, it's fluid as in, as is most of our disciplines in life or most of our habits and goals and aspirations. Some days we um, move forward, uh, maybe take a couple steps forward. Sometimes we make a step back. Sometimes we can take a lot of steps back. You know, I'll compare it to my practice of meditation and my practice of yoga. I I'm not always, I would say my consistency there is hit and miss. I go through periods where I'm very consistent and I really see positive results. And then I have times, such as very recently, where I have completely fallen out of the habit of yoga and almost fallen out of the habit of meditation. I just um, went like a week without meditating more than like once a week. And so recently, committed to get back on board with doing that almost every day if I can help it because I do see the big um, benefits from that. And so I think practicing anti-racism, I'm guessing, is similar. I mean, I'm, I have to say I'm guessing because I haven't really made it a practice previously. Um, yes, I've read books, for example, and I've engaged in conversations and I've um, you know, tried to develop different relationships and so forth. And um, immerse myself in certain types of experiences, uh, but not. I, I wouldn't say I've done it on a on a um, more of a regular made a, a regular practice. Uh, and I think that it would be beneficial for me to do that.
So being able to both learn and then share and talk about the topic uh, is, I think, important. Because if we can't have uh, intellectually honest conversations on a topic and conversations that are both vulnerable, where we're able to share vulnerably and that we're able to be safe for each other and feel safe, um, safe meaning not going to be judged or criticized, safe meaning where we can hear each other with a spirit of curiosity and a spirit of compassion and grace, then I don't really see how long-term progress is going to happen. What tends to happen in the absence of that is uh, feeling uh, people being entrenched, um, being self-protective, not open to what the other person is um, suggesting. You know, if I feel like I'm really being blasted with a lot of opinion from somebody Usually, uh, the natural—it's not, not just me. I mean, studies have shown the natural inclination, the natural tendency, is to put up walls and barriers and um, get more entrenched in the in my current thoughts and beliefs. But I can tell you that when I have engaged in conversation with someone who is sharing and listening with a more generous spirit, or even if I've just been, let's say, listening to a podcast and I can tell that the speaker has a more generous spirit, I am much more open to uh, considering and even adopting or being influenced by those views and opinions. In fact, I have changed 180% on certain very controversial topics, so I, um, ones that I really thought I would never change. On the other hand, when I've been in conversations on a topic and where I was trying to express something with some vulnerability, go ahead and share, well, you know, I've got this concern, um, or, you know, I'm kind of trying out this sort of idea, or I'm practicing that, and I have been uh, what felt like immediately, um, sometimes, you know, I've been, let's say, interrupted. Sometimes I have been um, kind of immediately labeled, uh, or at least that was my perception of being labeled, um, being shut down, being told, well, you just don't understand. Um, how, how dare you even say that? You can never understand my situation or this other person's situation. Uh, I don't see what good can come of that sort of situation. So I think it's, um, I aspire to be a person that can just hear others. And of course, I make mistakes in that area too. I'm sure <laughs> probably, probably there are people listening to this who um, can say, well, geez, Jesse, that's, I've actually experienced you being that very type of person who is not safe for others to, to talk, and, I'm, and I, have, I have done that, I'm, I, I know. Anyway, on the topic of sharing and talking about racism and anti-racism and um, discrimination and inequality, one of the, I guess, ahas or principles that I still think about a lot and try to practice is what Michelle King calls um, talking about inequality moments in her book, The Fix. And of course, she's been on this podcast as well when The Fix first came out. You can find out more about Michelle and her book in episodes 202 and in episode uh, 204. But she was she's writing about gender inequality at work. And uh, Michelle is uh, the director of inclusion for Netflix. And she recommends... Um, talking about, she recommends leaders 
leading the way or role, being a role model about talking on these topics of inequality and um, making it in a way that makes it safe for other people to talk about it too. So um, it's both sharing on maybe owning up to how you as a leader or even just as a human being have made some mistakes in this area and maybe where you have some regrets and also where you've experienced moments of inequality. And um, so, for example, um, you know, I, on the topic of racial inequality, I, I definitely, I can admit or confess that I have had uh, moments where I have been walking down a street at night and heard people coming up behind me and turning around and making a, having an emotional decision on whether this was a safe environment or an unsafe environment in that moment for me based on the color of the people who were walking up behind me. Actually, the color and the gender. So, um, and it's, you know, I'm very embarrassed to say that, but that definitely it would it are some emotions that popped up like, uh-oh, this is scary or whew, not so scary. And that is wrong. It's not fair. And I regret that. Of course, it goes beyond just race. I have also, um, in fact, recently made snap decision on um, in a social situation, trying to decide if the person next to me was someone that I would have an enjoyable conversation about. And um, are they more likely to talk about the types of topics that I want to that I just am naturally interested in, or are they more likely to talk about um, topics that I'm not interested in and making that decision based on their, uh, what, what, you know, attributes that would suggest a socioeconomic status. So uh, is this person going to be wanting to talk about, you know, car mechanic uh, <laughs> topics or um, sports or, you know, some sort of a... Uh, more hands-on kind of topic or are they going to talk about nerdy want to talk about nerdy book stuff like I tend to be interested in and ideas and abstract concepts so in either situation it's it's wrong to make a judgment about uh, a group of people based on those outside uh, those external attributes as opposed to treating each and every person as a valuable um, human being no worse and no better than I am. Uh, we are all good enough, and we all have our own individual strengths and vulnerabilities, and everybody deserves to be treated uh, fairly and uh, with equity and uh, given the same types of opportunities. So that's one way to talk about an inequality moment where I actually was part of... Um, you know, contributed toward creating an, an environment of inequality. And then it's, and, and by talking about that makes it, um, you know, of course it's, it's healing for me to talk about it, but it's also makes it safer for other people to think about their own ad attitudes and behaviors. And in the same way, talking about how we experience, have in, experienced inequality and, big ways and little ways. And, and um, it's very vulnerable to share on that too, because if I share something uh, right now, let's say, and uh, you've experienced a, maybe a much more drastic or significant or much more entrenched, a long-term kind of situation, 
then what I am going to say sounds flippant and, um, you know, like, a, uh, you know, privileged in an ignorant way. Uh, you know, I, I recognize I have a lot of privilege. Um, and so, uh, but if I can, but see, if I don't share things, then um, I contribute to an environment where it's not safe for you to share what you've experienced. And um, it's better, it's healthier for leaders to go ahead and share stuff. So I'll just share like a little story here. This is like, it feels silly to even share it. But I remember in my younger years, and this isn't some kind of a life-changing moment for me. It's just a, a little thing that popped into my head just now. But I remember there was some event that was being planned at work, and um, I was one of the younger people planning the event, and the topic of dress code came up, and it was going to be a really hot summertime environment. But it was a professional type of uh, event, and so I was really wanted to, us to consider encouraging people to wear shorts. And uh, so I said something like, well, we could wear, how about we say the dress code is, you know, dress shorts. And somebody in a... Uh, Somebody said something like, what are dress shorts? And not in a curious kind of way, but, it, it, you know, the way I perceived it, it was kind of a shaming way. Like, um, you know, I was from a different generation and uh, clearly have some, some, some things to learn about what's professional and not professional. And also, I think I perceived in there some a difference in terms of economic class that... Um, you know, my background, I have a certain, you know, came out of a certain background, lower middle class. And, I, you know, I was perceived, I guess I perceived this person as, as coming from a, a higher economic class. And um, so, like, how, I guess I felt shame in that moment. So I, to me, it was a moment of shame or inequality. And uh, sharing things where there's a, a, a pressure to fit in is part of those, uh, what Michelle King calls an inequality moment. So again, I know that's like a super minor thing, and I have experienced some harder things, but that's just the one that popped into my head, where um, I felt pressure to give in to whatever the cultural norm was, you know, the way things ought to be, the way we do things around here. Give up your own sense of self, your, your own personality and try to fit in with uh, the actual power structure. And so, you know, when we're able to share a story like that, it's obviously kind of vulnerable and scary to do that. Um, and also just reflect on a little bit like, okay, I can, that was painful for me. I can imagine, even though I haven't experienced uh, what it's like to be a black person in America, um, I can imagine it must be exponentially much harder. Uh, all the situations where uh, a black person would be um, expected to fit in or have, have it just not even be an option. Like there is absolutely no way you will fit in in this environment, and so don't even try. Um, you don't have the power to do that. You're not wanted. Um, you, you, in fact, uh, if you try, you're going to experience some violence and not just you, but your spouse and kids as well. And so you really just need to stay out of this situation. But by the way, do your best to act like 
respectable white people. <laughs> Do your best to fit in, uh, but stay away from us. But um, you know, if you could talk like us and dress like us, and act and uh, you know have behaviors that are um, more similar to ours, it, you know, then that that would that would be helpful. But um, but don't but you're not actually going to be able to fit in. So, you know, I guess being willing to share those vulnerable uh, ex- experiences, process them, and encourage other people to share theirs, because then maybe you'll, you know, you're taking that step will encourage someone else to share something that then will be a learning for you. You get to find out what it's like, what it's like to be them, or get to hear a little bit, what, try to take a step toward understanding better what it's like to be them. All right, Engagers, that's going to wrap up this episode. I'll put the link to that book, which again is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Dr. Ibram Kendi. And I'll put links to the um, other resources I mentioned, some of those podcasts, such as by Michelle King, um, link to that one list that uh, Jamie Barnes curated. You can find that all on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 210, as in episode 210. And I would love to hear what you're thinking or any reactions you have. You can um, find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook, and uh, you'll find those in the show notes or at, right on our website at engagingleader.com. I would love to hear what you're reading, what you're learning, any ahas that you've had. And again, I hope you'll take what I shared uh, today about what I'm thinking and learning and reading and so forth with a spirit that's generous and gentle toward me, and I'll try to do the same for you. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sides and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results. In several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Betsy Leahy, our production assistant, Jamie Barnes, Tom Hitchcock, and Jenny Kalenda from our social media team, JJ Leahy from our video and graphic design team, and Rick Tarrant, our announcer. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. <laughs>